0: Armoire.style slash envoys. That's armoire.style, A R M O I R E, dot style slash envoys to get 50% off your first month and never have to worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. This is On Boys Parenting Podcast. We are your co
1: host Jennifer L.W. Fink, mom of four boys. And I'm Janet Allison, teacher of many more. Thanks for joining us as we share real talk about parenting, teaching, and reaching tomorrow's men. Before we hear from this week's guest... And if you're listening to this in real time, Jen and I want you to know about our interactive face-to-face session that's coming up on February 3rd at noon Pacific. You don't want to miss this one. We will be talking about what makes boys tick. We talk about boys often. We talk about various communication skills, how you can get him to open up. This is the webinar for you if you are looking for all the strategies packed into one place. Go to onboyspodcast.com slash event and get your low-cost ticket for this live virtual event. And we look forward to seeing you there. That's onboyspodcast.com slash event. See you there. This episode is sponsored by Haya Health.
0: I always used to get sick the week after our high school musical. Now that I'm a nurse and a health writer, I understand why lack of sleep, lack of proper nutrition and stress all interfere with the ability of our immune systems to function optimally. If you worry about your boys nutrition and sleep and stress, Consider adding Haya Health vitamins to your daily routine. These chewable vitamins contain 15 essential vitamins and minerals known to support a healthy immune system. Use our discount code on Boys to get 50% off your first order. Go to HayaHealth.com and enter discount code onBoys to save 50%. My favorite musical is Les Mis, which is a story about the French Revolution. It's also the story of love and transformation. What does this have to do with raising boys, right? Well, today's guest is Dr. Charles Corprou, who hosts a podcast called What's Your Revolution? Charles is passionate about revolution, Not the bloody riots that mar cities and countries, not the big battle scene that we see in Les Mis, but opportunities that we have for personal growth and global transformation. And thinking about all this, it occurs to me that maybe my love for Les Mis isn't just about the great music. Those themes, love, transformation, revolution actively working to make the world a better place are so foundational in my life and in my work. Janet and I do this podcast because we want to make the world a better place for boys, for their families, for our communities. Charles, thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Thank you for having me. I'm so excited uh, about being here. It means a lot to me. Just the amazing work that you all are doing across the country, thinking about how do we raise good boys is an amazing thing and be here with you all so thank you so much for having me
0: you taught high school you have a phd in psychological science and your research at that time focused on resilient outcomes for boys and men of color when and why and how did you realize that revolution was necessary
2: (laughs) that's a great question i think i've always known that revolution was necessary for our boys um, gr- you know, growing up in a, a wonderful environment uh, in Virginia Beach with my family, but also having the experiences of racism and discrimination growing up in Virginia Beach and knowing that those were the experiences that the young men were having as a teacher, uh, that they were having that I saw as a teacher. And so I wanted to make sure that their opportunities for a successful life could be abundant. And so I wanted to make sure that as a teacher, as a professor, even as an entrepreneur, that I was creating successful pathways for our young men, regardless of what they look like, that they had the ability to be young boys and the ability to like have fun and play and not think about this world from a, a very inequitable place, but they could find whoever they wanted to be in this space. And so I've enjoyed being a part of that work, helping boys just figure out what it's like to be a boy what it means to be prideful and excited and happy and to just be able to play in that space
0: that is so important and gets lost that a lot of our boys don't have room to be boys there are all these preconceived notions heaped on them and expectations and so how do we do that you know clearly we have not solved racism We have not solved people jumping to conclusions about people based on their appearance or their gender so given that that's the big environment how do we allow our boys to be boys
2: that's another great question i think if we move back if we move on i'm a systems thinker i think that we have to go upstream i think the work begins with the adults in their lives and them doing the extremely hard work themselves around what it means to be equitable, what it means to see people for who they are. And I think of our young boys begin to see to see people who are, you know, opening their minds and open their lives to people who don't look like them, who don't live like them, who practice different faiths, practice different things, and say, you know what, it's okay. We have the opportunity to learn. But seeing that, you know, as, as a psychologist, I always think about adolescence being one of those very crucial times in a, a boy's development, where they're looking for, every child is looking for this opportunity to model something. And so you see these various models and then you begin to test them out. And so I think we need to give, not even, I think, I know we need to give boys more models, more expansive models to try out. Yes. to say, you know what, this this fits. I saw, I see some positivity with this. I see some affirmation and some affirmment mm-hmm. from the ability to test out this model and that it's OK. The work stems from us as adults saying, this is the hard work that we need to do so that our children can actually grow up and be whoever they want to be uh, and be happy. Mm-hmm. A lot yes. of the trauma that we face even as adults stem from adults saying something is wrong or doing something that is nefarious and we need, to, we need to be culpable about that and how we're raising our boys.
1: I think there's so much to this. So I am a former educator and I do a lot of work with, with teachers and was actually in conversation with teachers just the other day about kind of this thing of there are, and this was elementary through high school teachers, of course, where were the men? They were the high school teachers. They were not the elementary school teachers. And, and this notion of, As you're saying, our boys need men. They need to see men. And along with that, a lot of the work that I do is working with those female teachers to help them see boys through a different lens because the notion of, you know, these boys are, I, and I was one of those teachers. My first class was 10 boys and two girls, and I did not know what to do with those boys. It was noisy. It was, it was rambunctious. They were very creative. And I, I've spent 20 years because of that experience in the classroom, in my work with boys. But so it's this, I mean, it is a revolution because we have to change our education system, which it's changing now, um, (laughs) maybe for the better for our boys, especially, but getting more men in the lower grades and and just those young boys who are surrounded by women all the time and opening that up that bubble for more men to be welcome in those younger years of boys' lives.
2: I I definitely agree. I definitely agree with that, Janet. Um, Just the ability from a young age. I was talking to my best friend, Quince Griffin, the other day, we met each other in the first grade, six years old. We've been best friends for the last 43 years. I'm dating myself, but I was was riding past our elementary school and I picked up the phone and called him. I said, you know, I was like, do you remember those days at green run elementary school and i i was we were we were just reminiscing about having to run the 600 and then we started talking about our pe teacher mr stewart and mr stewart really was one of the only men in the school and i was actually at that time complaining about mr stewart because he was so hard on us Mm -hmm. and You know, actually, you know, as we, you know, got older and became men, we were able to see Mr. Stewart later on in life. And he was very, you know, emphatic and very infectious to us. You know, he was like, "You, you all were good young boys when, you know. And so we thought about this. We had this man who was actually shaping us as young boys to go out into the world and be successful. But there weren't that many men in elementary school. We talked about our math teacher, Mr. Locke. Uh, who was one of our favorite teachers. And he was just one of those teachers who loved every student and poured into us. And so I loved math and Quince is uh, an engineer. (laughs) And (laughs) he, he talked about math. You know, his love of math started right there in sixth grade with Mr. Locke. Wow.
0: That's the power. That is the power that we have as adults, parents, educators, community members, and your message, that core message of what you were saying at the beginning, that this work needs to start with the adults. We can't ask our boys to be the revolution. You know, we, there's been so much press and the youth are doing amazing things. The youth of this country are really paying attention and doing good work, but we can't ask them to be the revolution if we don't equip them with the tools and the uh, emotional self-control and emotional understanding that they need to be able to step into themselves and their greatness and serve one another.
2: Right. Um, You're you're exactly right. I think about the kids at Parkland uh, a couple of years ago, and I was so uh, appalled at the vitriol that those students received. Mm -hmm. And what are we saying to young children, uh, you know, to... Basically, express their First Amendment rights—the the freedom of speech. Those children were traumatized by that attack, and you know, some of our country, you know, our, our countrymen and women attacked them for standing up and being revolutionary and 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 doing what we actually espouse to do every every day as as Americans, right? To take that right to speak out to propose revolution in a manner that was not going to hamper people, but but to proliferate and amplify people's lives. They watched their classmates die.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and so their voices. And so it was really, really interesting. I wanna say it was a Time Magazine article uh, and, and it may have been a meme, but I wanna, I wanna think, I wanna say it was a Time cover. It says, guess who's old to vote.
0: It was old a meme yeah. based on the Time Magazine cover. They, <laughs> the kids had been on Time Magazine and now right. This election, those kids right. were old enough to guess, vote.
2: Guess who's old to vote? And so, for them, their development, and for the you know, and there were a number of boys as a part of this, as their development, what they got to see was a world that says, you know what, you you shouldn't speak up against certain things, and for them, they were like, no, we're going, to, <laughs> no, we're going to take this revolution and we're going to make it ours and we're going to proliferate it, you know. And so it was really interesting, you know, as we think about the. Uh, the last election, regardless of what side you voted, those students had a say, right? They were out there making their marks. That's, that's the kind of examples that I think that our boys need to see. We think about them specifically, and then uh, um, adolescents at large, the ability to see their peers actually making change.
0: One thing I, I know we adults struggle with, I struggle with this as a parent of now teenage and young adult boys. It's, easy to say we want a revolution but when faced with an actual child revolution by definition means challenging the status quo and advocating for change and oh that's uncomfortable <laughs>
2: uh, it is very uncomfortable Uh transformation is uh, arduous and radical transformation radical revolution is arduous and for individuals I think that we go through, we internalize the trauma that we face from childhood on through adulthood. And that transformation comes when we have the ability to actually look inwardly. Usually there's an event that, uh, usually there's an event that actually pokes pokes the bear per se. It says, hey, you got some work that you need to do. (laughs) Um, For me, it was much later in life, but for me to realize, and so that's why I continue to try to pour into young men to help them work through some of the things that they're dealing with. So they don't have to internalize that trauma when they're 47, 48, 49 and say, wait, there's a revolution that has to happen because I need to be a better man. And we want to build, you know, we want to build better boys.
1: Yeah. So I, uh, Jen and I kind of laugh. She's kind of the big picture person. I'm the more detailed person of our, of our podcast marriage that we have here. So I want to get right down to it. I talk, I'm a family coach, so I talk to moms all the time who have their 13, 14-year-old boy at home, he's resisting school, remote learning, he's only interested in video games, some of them don't even want to go outside, how does that mom who's listening to us right now go, yeah, I want my boy to have purpose, I want him to be a revolutionary, sure, I can't get him out of his bedroom. I'd
0: like him to take a shower, for God's sake, at some point this week.
2: <laughs> you know, um, it, it's a great question. Um, on one side, I think some of the pundits would say you lean into the technology that that's going on, um, and part of this revolution that we're seeing in education with the uh, the ramping up of technology is what type of technology are our students using and, and learning from. I think what. What has been forced upon them is a technology that is is that is not useful for their ultimate growth, and so we're seeing we're seeing many children buck this, right? I don't want to resistance. Be on, yeah, they are resistant. I don't want to be on Zoom all day, and so what I think the edu- from an education standpoint is that we have to ha- continue to have conversations with children and boys about how they're learning in this space is going to be very adequate and motivating for them. I don't think anybody has talked, when I talk to educators around the country, I don't think anybody has talked to students about what they actually need and want to proliferate their academic prowess, their social prowess. I think, and the the pandemic has gotten gotten us into a mode where we're very reactive. So I think that as parents, we need to think about what type of technology and what, what what is being infused in that technology that is going to amplify that? And so if I'm a parent, I see this great video on YouTube. I'm gonna, I'm gonna message or text that, hey, I saw this great opportunity. I know you because I know you're on your iPad or I know you're on the computer. Hey, just check this out. It's a great opportunity for you if I, if I'm that parent. If I'm Howard Stevenson who has uh, has this play methodology, uh, Howard Steven is one of the foremost psychologists uh, in the country. and he he talks about play. I think parents have to begin to push our children back outside. It is a wonderful thing, even as adults, and you think about how we as adults want to get outside, right? We hate the winter time, you know, we want the sun, all of the the wonderful benefits of being outside, I grew up playing outside. Parents have to begin to say, even in the midst of COVID, how do I push my children back outside to play, to -hmm. promote family? Uh, I know some people, parents are working two, three jobs, but how do we get our children to congregate and play in a safe manner, masked, that they're playing? And so they can actually kind of forget all of the stress and strain that it's outside and think about how to be more prideful in who they are, their interactions. Social interactions are one of the key to lessen anxiety. It creates more self-esteem when you have a great pod of people Mm -hmm. so i think about the pods that have been created in these families who are educating their children and and bringing outside play back into this aspect where it's constructive
1: Mm -hmm. right where
2: they're thinking about how do i interact with other people in a conducive equitable and respectful manner
0: which sometimes looks like very random and or dangerous play when you're dealing with boys like (laughs) I imagine you and your best friend hanging out at six, you were not always making the best choices. You were doing some things that to this day, if you told your mothers, your mothers would go, wait, what?
2: <laughs> um, I've jumped off a roof or two. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, tell us a story, Charles. Come on.
2: <laughs> I, 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 um, I told this story the other day. I was like, this curve in my nose is because I jumped off a roof and I, my nose on the ground. <laughs>
0: so,
1: oh, no.
2: yeah. I mean- uh, the fun of play. One of the greatest things that I love to do as an adult is get on my bike and you know being able to do that every weekend with a group of like-minded men uh, who then after we finish sit and talk about how we're growing as men is a wonderful thing. I think we continue to promote that with young boys getting them out getting them congregating them together and having respectful conversation being led by people who understand what it means to grow up and build our boys collaboratively in a community nature, to be supportive, uh, and to understand what equitable leadership looks like for them.
1: This episode is sponsored by By Heart. Babies need to eat. And
0: whether you breastfeed or bottle feed, use formula, combine all of the above, you need options. We wanted to let you know about By Heart Baby Formula. So if you need baby formula for your baby, consider BuyHeart. New customers can get 10% off your first order by using code onboys at byheart.com. That's B-Y-H-E-A-R-T.com slash podcast, and it is 10% off your first order. Byheart.com slash podcast. This is a limited time offer, and additional terms and conditions may apply.
1: BuyWinona.com today to start your free visit. With free U.S. shipping and the ability to pause or cancel at any time, your path to wellness has zero obligations. Use the code ONBOYS at BuyWinona.com for 25% off your first order. That's bywinon dot ONBOYS. Winona, menopause care made easy.
0: You mentioned your best friend and we we're talking about the importance of social relationships. One thing that can be hard for us as adults, especially adult women, to understand is the importance and depth of boys' friendships. Somehow you and your friend found each other six years old and that, you know, there's a fair amount of coincidence there. You happen to be in the same place at the same school. But to stay connected for 40 plus years, there's, there's a connection. Somehow you resonated with each other. So help us understand the importance of friendships to boys and what might be going on underneath the surface that we're not appreciating.
2: It is a wonderful thing when it comes to friendships. Um, and I have to underscore this is that I'm an only child. And so friendships have meant everything to me. And so I've sought out you know, really deep friendships. Quince and I, you know, just a short story, met in first grade. The teacher called his name, Miss Horizon called his name and she's like, Quince, I just happened to turn around and say, hello, Quince. That started the friendship, that was it. We laugh at it all the time. Um, I think what happened was the, the commonalities of us being two African-American boys in a, a predominantly white school. So we congregated together. Our families also became very tight knit because of our friendship. And so it was easy for us to go over to each other's houses. Our families felt safe Mm -hmm. for us. Our families felt safe for us to spend time, a a copious amount of time together. Uh, I would always ask my mom, like, mom, why do we have red sauce on our spaghetti? And Quinta's mom doesn't. Um, (laughs) It was just meat and spaghetti. So we, you know, what do they say? Um, It takes 90 say 90 hours to form a friendship to form a a cohesive friendship 90 hours of spent spent time together Uh, i'm sure that we've spent nine thousand hours (laughs) together over the last 43 years it's trust it's community it's vulnerability that we don't speak about with boys that it's something that doesn't happen you know it's an unspoken thing but happens between friends uh, I remember, you know, Quince and I throwing the baseball uh, in front of his garage. With They had plate glass and I broke the glass. <laughs> and I still
0: have a broken plate glass window <laughs> on the front of my garage yeah. due to a boy related incident. Yes,
2: <laughs> See, exactly. And I remember he was punished. And um, I told him we were so tight. I was like, I will take your punishment. Right. And he was like, you don't want to take this punishment. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But that's how that's the relationship that we built. This level of vulnerability and and love and camaraderie that we had for each other has continued to grow. And now he has children. Our other best friend, Kyrie, has children. So it's amazing for us to get together to pour into the next generation of boys about our experiences that we had growing up and why we continually are so tight now.
1: Mm-hmm. I think part of it is if what you said, Jen, about women, women's friendships, girls' friendships are so different than boys. We love, you know, we can just sit in a circle and talk and we're just happy as can be. And And what you said, Charles, is playing it all comes back to playing and boys playing together maybe not having deep meaningful conversations which moms are always wanting to have with their boys you know when is he when are we going to have those deep meaningful conversations and to recognize that for boys that act of just hanging out together of just being together that is the glue that's the bonding it doesn't it doesn't mean that there aren't those deeper conversations age appropriately, but that the the glue is the doing together, the playing together.
2: That is a wonderful, uh, wonderful description of that doing together and going back to that length of time to form friendships. We did a lot together. You think, you know, we were laughing. We were going through our teachers that we had from first to sixth grade, just laughing at those times. We did a lot of things because at that point in time, you went from kindergarten through sixth grade in this, basically in the same class. So we were, we saw each other every day for six years, went to a yeah. different junior high school, still saw each other and then spent every day in high school together. You know, we did have some meaningful conversations uh, about, You know, and those meaningful conversations were age appropriate about classes and how we were doing, or where we wanted to go to school, what we were gonna do, who we wanted to be. Those are the types of meaningful conversations. We pushed each other. Uh, mm-hmm. to be better. And so I am who I am because of the the young boys that I surrounded myself with early on in life. Mm-hmm.
0: You talked to me the other day about how, as part of this friendship and your other friendships as well, you really learned to be in service to another human being. And mm-hmm. This is something that a lot of us want to teach our boys that, hello, the world does not revolve around you. You, We are here to help one another. And that is a big, lofty, big picture goal and, and question. Um, It sort of developed naturally in part due to this very important friendship.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, it did. It, it it did. We spent a lot of time studying together. We, we spent a lot of time looking at, like I said, where we were going to go to school and how close we wanted to be. We spent a lot of time driving each other, you know, to various places. And I, I remember the stories that I told you that when I was in grad school, broke grad student and he was working, he would make sure, hey, I know you're going to school today. Here's a couple of dollars just to get you some some Wendy's nuggets, just, just so you're not hungry. You know, and so that that the ability for us to be in service, we used to cut each other's hair. <laughs> you know, um, because we didn't have, you know, we didn't have the money to go to the barbershop. And so we oh, I
0: her. wish we had some pictures from when you guys were <laughs> about twenty, especially uh, because that was a while ago and I know what hairstyles look like yeah, then. Yeah, we, we
2: cut <laughs> each other's hair. But we were in, you know, we were in service of each other. Uh, my friend Kyrie that we just talked about, when we first met him, we were going on a trip to Florida and his family didn't have the money to send him. We raised money for him to go. And so Mm -hmm. this, this, this feeling of being in service with us was ingrained to us, you know, by our family. So we talked about what adults can do early on to build boys, our families ingrained in us that it wasn't about us that you all that you were in service of each other. We continue Mm -hmm. even now to be in service of each other as we're pouring into their children to be better boys. And so it's a wonderful thing to think back about how we poured into each other to make sure that we were successful then and how we continue to do that even now.
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna circle back again to that mom with that 14 year old boy who will not get out of the house, Charles. And what what would you say to her about how I'm and I talk about this all the time, you know, even if it's just going to rake the neighbors' leaves, do something that's not about you. But, but talk to that mom. How can she inspire her boy? I'll put inspire in air, co- air quotes, because sometimes it's like, you will do this. And that's the <laughs> beginning, right? But right. How, how, of course, we want it to be sort of self-motivated, self-driven. Talk to that mom. What can that mom say to that, that growing boy about the need to be of service and how important it is?
2: I I think what she's saying is that they're trying to run into that there are uh, tremendous benefits about giving to others. Um, What I would more so say is that what are the actions that she would like to actually involve her child with. And one of the things that my mother did is that she took me out to be in service of others. She took me to um, a soup kitchen. Uh, I didn't want to go. Right? But the, the ability to say that we're gonna go out whether it's Thanksgiving, whether it's Christmas, whether it's Easter or whatever religious holiday was it really wasn't more so my mom saying, hey, you gotta do this. It was her showing me and mm-hmm. you know, oftentimes dragging me out but then me seeing the benefit of being out and being in service of others and what it meant. And so I remember being at soup kitchens as, as a little boy and having conversations with people who were less fortunate than me. And it's not like we grew up with a very extravagant lifestyle, but to see that that people were less fortunate than me and that they were still kind, they were still open and receptive and just wanted to be treated as humans mm-hmm. instead of less than allowed me to see, you know, a, a very vast world that I had never seen and said, you cannot live a life that is not in service of others because there are people out here who just don't have as much as you are and that need support. So I don't know if it's it's saying something all the time to the child, mm-hmm. uh, to your boy. I think it's saying, hey, we're going to take a family outing and this is what we're going to do today. Mm-hmm. Um, and they may go kick, kicking and screaming, mm-hmm. but I promise once you get there and then once they become involved in this aspect and it doesn't have to be a soup kick and it'd be something with the church, it could be something with Boy Scouts, uh, whatever It, it can is. be
0: directly connected to whatever his interest is. You a- know, a- if, exactly. if, if this kid is into... I don't know, uh, you know, mm-hmm. fishing. I have some kids that are really interested in fishing. You know what? We're going to get your younger cousin and we're going to go fishing together and you're going to help him. Like right. it's a little mm-hmm. thing, but it mm-hmm. is how you can use your skills to help somebody else. And exactly, you feel good when you do that. And that is a, a healthy sense of pride mm-hmm. versus a lot of the things that our culture tells us and our boys, especially like, this is what's going to make you the man. Mm -hmm. Right.
2: Exactly. Mm -hmm. It it promotes self-efficacy. And I think what we're seeing with toxic masculinity in our country is that we're getting, you know, it is, it has become very uh, selfish um, that it is is about me and we're seeing these examples. And so we have to offset those examples that our young boys are seeing uh, Mm -hmm. with examples of toxic masculinity we need to promote more healthier versions of this and 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 what are the benefits of being this because we are lauding in some communities the benefits of being toxic and so more people and more men have been gravitating to this more young boys have been gravitating to this Mm -hmm. and so we need to continue to promote the benefits of what this means we know with me too we know uh, the isms that we can go on on down the line because of toxic masculinity our boys, if, if you're in service of someone else, you're look, you're ingrained in this feeling that I have to look at my life from a greater perspective. Yeah. And anything yeah. else.
1: Yeah, I want to underscore key point here is you may have to drag him there, kicking and screaming, as you said. You know, you you have to counteract that resist that initial resistance and, just and inertia keep going. and inertia and just keep going. Right. Yeah.
2: It's not a one time. It's not a one time event. And parents. Right. Parents. Mothers cannot get frustrated. Um, Oh, but we
0: can. (laughs) We just need to control our response.
2: (laughs) Um, I I know there was a lot of times my mother wanted to take me kicking and screaming down to my grandmother's house in North Carolina. Uh, Most often that happened as a young child. But once I got there, it was Mm -hmm. totally was a paradise.
0: I just didn't want to go. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. Yep. And that's that really is important. And I'm going to underscore it even more. Your son kicking and screaming doesn't mean that there's something wrong with him. It doesn't mean that you're doing something wrong. It means that growth and revolution is uncomfortable. We don't always enjoy it while we're going through it. Think about the things in your life that have brought about the most growth. Likely they were incredibly painful, and you did not enjoy them at those moments. It's true for our boys, too. That oh, was man. brilliant. <laughs> Thanks, Janet.
1: Just I speak from
0: experience, you guys. Oh, Charles, tell us about your podcast and your other work, because I know people are going to want to hear more from you.
2: Thank you, I appreciate that. So the What's Your Revolution show is an opportunity for men uh, to come on my show to talk about how they're transforming their lives. We say this show is for men and the people who love them, how men can find and embrace the healthiest versions of themselves. So the, the podcast is four years old. I've been able to uh, interview high status folks as well as people who are local superstars uh, talking about how they're transforming their lives. It's been a wonderful opportunity for me, because I went looking for information and information like this, and mm-hmm. it just wasn't there for me as a man, as I wanted to grow. So as an entrepreneur, there was a pain point. And this was the this was ah. the opportunity to, to fix a pain point with my show. What I get to do during my day is that I get to help invest into entrepreneurs like yourself, who are women and people of color, who are building education and education tech ventures who are proliferating the lives of students uh, all across the country, all across the world. And so it's a wonderful thing to be able to bring stakeholders, funders, philanthropy to help them proliferate and amplify their voices and their work so they have the ability to create livable communities and livable ways jobs. Um, So I'm the director of the Education and Conscious Tech Fellowship at Camelback Ventures.
0: It occurs to me that your podcast would be a really good thing to just happen to have playing while I'm in the kitchen making dinner whatever boys come in and out and hear bits of it like the messages and the stories that you are sharing on that podcast that's the kind of thing our boys need to hear to help Mm -hmm. offset some of these other messages we talked to Maggie Dent recently Janet and she said marinate your boys in the stories of good men
2: Mm. I love that I love that yeah. yeah. Exactly. This is part continued of that. Exposure. Yeah. Continued exposure. And like I said, I spent a lot of time with, you know, in, in collaboration and community with men and by them listening to my podcast, we have now that ability to kind of talk through a lot of different topics. And then like, Hey, the last topic was, uh, I brought a pastor on and talked about, you know, faith in unsettling times. Mm-hmm. And it was really mm-hmm. interesting to, have this conversation post post cycle ride about what it looked like to have faith, even in these unsettling times in our country and in our world. And that's fodder that allows for intellectual thought. And so now you're continually building a community around, Hey, I want to, I want to be different. I want to be better. Right. I want to build something that allows me to be a better man because I have a son or I have a daughter that I'm also helping to build.
1: Wow. Viva la revolution. Is that what they say in French? I don't uh, know. Uh, but
2: <laughs> The revolution. Exactly.
1: That's a great ending, Janet. <laughs> <laughs> we'll keep it then. Charles, thank you so much for joining us today. And we look forward to amplifying your message and helping all those parents out there who absolutely do want to raise great men and are maybe struggling a little bit in in mid-revolution along the way
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's that's what i'm gonna say the next time somebody asks how i'm doing i'm struggling (laughs) (laughs) mid-revolution
2: i love that i I love that i definitely love i just appreciate the opportunity to be with you all and i will do whatever i can to amplify your amazing work uh thank Thank you so much for the invitation and i look forward to uh hearing the episode and promoting it far and wide
1: we hope you enjoyed this episode with charles corpu and talking about boys and friendships and what they need to grow to be great men we also want to remind you that the live webinar is coming up on February 3rd 2021 at noon and you can get your ticket to join Jen and I for this interactive session called what makes boys tick go to onboyspodcast.com slash event and get your ticket and join us
0: Thanks for joining On Boys, real talk about parenting, teaching, and reaching tomorrow's men.
1: You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place